Hi, I'm Kate Dearden, and you're listening to The Migration Podcast. In this episode, we hear Itzel Eguiluz speaking with Alejandra Diaz de Leon about her book, Walking Together, Central Americans in Transit Migration Through Mexico, which was published in 2023. Alejandra talks about how the journey of Central American migrants walking north through Mexico is about much more than just having practical strategies to survive the journey. Solidarity, trust, and social bonds that are formed along the way can also be valuable elements of the experience. We hear about what Alejandra calls road families and how during their journeys, migrants form communities around their common understanding and experiences of crossing Mexico. While I'm at it, we at the Amisco Migration Podcast would like to give you a recommendation for another related podcast episode from the Borders and Belonging podcast, which is produced by our friends at the Toronto Metropolitan University. They are currently releasing their second season and have a really interesting episode on Mexican migrants in the U.S. who are from Indigenous groups. So I encourage you to check it out. Now enough for me, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much, Alejandra, for accepting the invite for this podcast. And first of all, I want you to tell us a bit about the story behind the book. Well, this research is based on my PhD. And my PhD, I was mainly trying to figure out the resources, the survival strategies that migrants used uh, to survive Mexico. And when I was doing fieldwork, I realized that it's much more than just survival strategies. Now there's solidarity trust, social ties, bond. So that's the story of the book. I was very inspired by Jason de Leon. Uh, his book, The Land of Open Grapes, is an amazing academic, but also very accessible book that has this cool narrative style and talks about the stories of migrants and makes the, the journey crossing the desert from Mexico to the US, US super vivid. So I was trying to emulate him a little bit. That The book is very, very inspiring for me. And also, I always wanted to have a book, so it's just exciting. Um, when I was reading the book, one of the main things that I was attending to was this word that you use in the title, walking. And I remember that I read a book about all the different philosophies and the theories about walking and the concept of walking from very different perspectives and different uh, people about, around the world talking about this. So what does walking means to you? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's an interesting question. I hadn't thought about it. I mean, it's in the title of the book, but I hadn't thought about it. Uh, but I think, especially in the context of undocumented transit migration, I think it means first moving forward, not pushing on. And I think it illustrates the slowness sometimes of migrating, especially when there's so many obstacles that the governments put, no? So it's just moving slowly, pushing forward and eventually arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border. But I think it also talks about slowing down and observing and enjoying. So a lot of the stories that migrants told me were about, of course, how difficult the journey was and the robberies and everything. But many of them told me that it's lovely to walk at night in the jungle in Mexico because you get to see the stars and hear the animals. And it's beautiful when you're riding on top of the freight train eh, to see the views. So... I don't know. It's, it's about both things. No? Migrating is a very difficult and dangerous thing if you're doing it undocumented. But also it's a very beautiful thing because you're walking, you're meeting people, you're talking. So it's this idea of walking with people and talking with people and getting to know each other. And I hope this is not romanticizing the pain they experience, but I think 
my book tries to show that they experience both their people, not their complete people, who are enduring the journey and sometimes enjoying the journey while walking alongside other people and interacting and expressing things. So I think that's what walking means to me in the context of the book. Thank you. So I think that it's important to make visible these experiences that you are telling us about that are not only the bad parts of migrating, the negative part of migrating, the violence and everything that you narrate in your book, but also about these other parts of life or parts of the journey. So no spoilers, but in the beginning of the book, you tell us about this migrant man. And I think it's a very interesting story and very important part of the book. So can you share a bit uh, with us about his story? Yeah, this is the story of Toño, not his real name, obviously. And interestingly, this is the only migrant I met twice in the southern border and the northern border by chance. Uh, so I met him in the southern border and he didn't want to give me an interview, which is fine. And then when he saw me in the northern border, he was just so happy to see me because you, you rarely meet the same people no, in the road. Um, and he was telling me that it took him like a month or a month and a half to arrive from the southern to the northern border of Mexico because after I talked to him in Palenque, he decided, not because he talked to me, just in general, he decided that he was very sad and lonely because he was migrating alone and he just couldn't bear the, the loneliness. He was, he was scared and he was nervous, but he hadn't been robbed or beaten or anything. He was just emotionally very sad and lonely. So he decided to go to the National Migration Institute and knock on the door and hand himself in. Uh, and they were like, okay. So they put him in a van with a couple of other migrants. Uh, one of those like police type vans with like the, yeah, with the covered windows and everything. And they were driving them to the detention center. And he started talking with the other migrants and the other migrants were like, you're an idiot. Why would you hand yourself over to the, to the migra? I mean, for us, it's so important to get to the U.S.-Mexico border. Why would you do that? You hadn't been caught. And he was like, I'm an idiot. I am an idiot. So the three of them started kicking the windows of the van and they managed to open the door or the window. You know, these epic stories, you know, how epic they, they become. And they ran away. Uh, and then they decided to migrate together to the U.S.-Mexico border and they helped each other. But Tonyo learned that he needed not only, you know, practical help, like information and resources and money and whatever, but he also learned he needed friends to migrate. And when I asked him, Why would, what would you recommend a new migrant? He was like, to make some friends along the road. And I think that's obvious once you tell it, but it feels a little bit counterintuitive, no? Because you'll be like, I mean, you think... Now, if you need to go to the U.S.-Mexico border, why are friends useful? And I mean, that's part of the idea of the book. But yeah, it's a cool story. Yes, and I also think that it's a very good way to introduce us to the concept of trust. The migrants you interviewed have experienced different migration processes and they have different reasons for migrating. But when I was reading, I really thought about Andaba, the other migrant man, And this is a very interesting name that you choose for him because um, I think that Andava is also uh, related to walking. And he told you that he preferred to walk solito. Uh, solito means alone in Spanish. It's like uh, a nice way to say when someone is alone. So solito. 
That is an interesting concept, uh, walking solito, because it allowed him to be free. And I think that is like the other side of the story from the story of Toño. Uh, so can you tell us about these different struggles that you learn about? These different concepts of walking like solito or walking with friends or family? Yeah, so... So Tonya and many, many other migrants that I met get together and form what I call road families, which are like small groups of four to five migrants and, you know, different nationalities, ages, mostly male, that try to go together to the U.S.-Mexico border and form very deep trusts and bonds after having met each other for just, you know, a couple of days, which is very interesting and different to what most literature and social ties had said. But also there's some other migrants that decide to go by themselves, either because they don't trust other migrants, they have experienced violence, they have been betrayed, or just they don't want to wait for slower migrants. But even then, they are not completely isolated. So what I talk in the book, it's about a, what I call a transient community of migrants, which is uh, the way I see it, all the migrants that are crossing Mexico at the same time and that have these common migrant identity, you know, who understand what crossing Mexico means, the violence, the horror, the solidarity, the beautiful stars. And they realize that no one else besides people who are doing it understand what it means to be a migrant, not in this in this sense of crossing Mexico. So these people who are in the groups or by themselves decide to, since they understand that what it means to be really hungry, really scared, really lost, they they engage in what I what it's called generalized exchange, which means giving a little bit of things that are not essential for you, but important. For example, a bite of a taco, a little bit of Coca-Cola, a blanket, a little bit of information to other migrants where, because they understand what it means to really, really, really need it. No? So even if they don't trust those strangers, they share what they have because they know that they're enduring the same road as them. So even those migrants like Andavas who go by themselves do benefit from this solidarity. So he does take sips of Coca-Cola when he gets offered and he does follow migrants uh, when they're going in the train tracks and he does uh, hear gossip and advice, uh, which I think it's interesting. And that really helps migrants gather information about what it's a very unpredictable and dangerous route that helps them gather up to date and uh, good information. And the final group I talk about in the book is families and Latin American sense of families, whoever you consider family where you live, yeah, and that migrate together through Mexico. And what I study is how the family dynamics change. And that's very interesting because the road changes people. So, yeah. Okay. And we know for migrants, sometimes sharing personal information may be dangerous because it exposes them. Uh, to be kidnapped, maybe, or other kinds of danger. And I think that the chapter name is Trust and Role of Families, uh, in which you talk about the ties between the different individuals and people, and they sometimes decide to share some personal information, and this makes them vulnerable. So how do you understand this uh, share of information that they sometimes decide to do during the during the walking? Yeah, so the way I uh, describe it is people who just share the Coca-Cola or the bites of food or whatever, like in the wider transient community of migrants, 
do not trust each other. So they don't share information and secrets and they don't, for example, they don't give things that are scarce. If they don't have any money, they don't give money to other people. But the people who form road families, like these very small groups of people who get together when they're migrating, they start acting as a very strong social group very quickly. And that's where they share their secrets and become vulnerable. And we know that they become vulnerable and trust each other because it's what, what you said, no? They share money, they share that they have the phone number of their family members, they talk about having family members in the US, and that's very dangerous because if you get kidnapped, they can harass your family and ask for ransom. So migrants in these newly formed but very tight families start showing their true selves and who they are and what they like, and they become vulnerable. And it's true because when you decide to trust someone, you immediately become vulnerable because they can rob you, kidnap you, use that information for other things. Our friends can betray us if we trust them. No, our lovers can break our hearts. Uh, so it's always a calculation of vulnerability. And for migrants, of course, the stakes are super high because you can die if they betray you. But but it goes back to this need that we talked a little bit about with Tonyo in the first story about being more than getting resources, which are very important, is being seen, feeling accompanied. So many migrants, when they're crossing Mexico, they feel they become less than people, ungrievable, that no one will care about them, that we are, we don't see them as people now when we're in Mexico. We just treat them as garbage. So meeting someone who looks at you in the eye, is not disgusted by the way you smell, can talk to you, makes you sometimes willing to open up yourself and become friends with that person. And because this vulnerability is important, to form social ties and they decide that forming social ties is worth it sometimes. And of course, you can see in the book, uh, but they have different types of strategies to decide who's trustworthy or not. They don't just go with anyone, but they they try to be smart and see who looks like a quote unquote real migrant. But also there's a leap of faith, no? When eventually you have to be like, I like this guy, we'll go together. And that's how we make friends, I think, in peaceful situations also. Yeah. I think that's totally true. And while you were talking, I was thinking about the situation in which migrants become invisible. They are like ghosts in the societies they um, they live in and in the societies they are walking through. I think that also happens with other people like drug users, for example. And it's a very difficult discussion that we have to have Uh, that we are all part of societies and those communities. And I think that an important part of the work that we need to do is to talk between us because we are the ones watching these people walk through and sometimes we just let them pass by and we are trying not to see them at some point. It's one of the conversations I, I think we need to have. So... Is there some part of the book that you especially like or you think that is relevant for this conversation that we haven't mentioned yet? I guess I would like to emphasize, I mean, which is very obvious if people who study migration listen to this, uh, but that Mexico is a super long country. It's over 3,000 kilometers long. It, it takes two, three, four weeks to cross. And it's a very chaotic road with a lot of routes that migrants can take, the road to exchange constantly, 
that new criminal organizations move in or out of the areas, migrant houses open and close. So it's a very unpredictable road and migrants have to take a lot of like quick decisions that they cannot research beforehand. No? So they cannot go into Facebook groups or watch YouTube videos or whatever, or look at a map and be prepared. Um, and people have also very different identities. So Mexico is a, in sometimes a corrupt country. So we have migration agents who are moonlighting as criminals, sicarios who work for the police, things like that. So between all these chaos, finding social ties becomes very, very important because it's the only way to get in, like reliable and trustworthy information at the moment and talking to other migrants becomes very important. And generally during times of catastrophes and crisis, anthropologists and sociologists have seen that people tend to become more close-minded and they stay inside the traditional social groups. And we can see here in this very dangerous situation how important it is to open yourself up to get relevant and different information. And that final note, all this violence is created by the Mexican government that's making it impossible for migrants to cross legally and safely from the southern to the northern border. Migrants don't have to work for four weeks, don't have to experience this violence, don't have to be chased down by carteles or migration agents if they just have a permit to get there, no? And I think it's important to remember that these violences that migrants experienced are caused by the governments who prevent them from migrating legally and safely. Thank you so much for that. So to finish with this conversation, can you tell us where we can find the book and of course a bit more about your work in general? Yeah, the book is in the University of Arizona webpage, but also it's in Amazon. So, and you can find it hard copy, digital, <laughs> so you can buy all of that. Uh, and right now what I'm doing is I'm doing a research project about the climate crisis and how humanitarian actors and migrants interpret climatic stressors as reasons for leaving their home country. So that's that's exciting. Totally. So I hope that this conversation helps in some ways to have better understanding about migration through Mexico, that there's different themes, issues, problems, different kinds of migrations. Uh, thank you so much, Alejandra, for accepting to have this interview and this conversation with me for the podcast. Alejandra Diaz de Leon is an assistant professor of migration and violence at the Center of Sociological Studies at the Colegio de México in Mexico City. She holds a PhD in sociology and an MA in human rights from the University of Essex. Her research focuses on human rights, solidarity, and the creation of bonds, trust, and cooperation among strangers during contexts of violence and uncertainty, like the transit of Central Americans through Mexico to the United States. If you enjoy the Migration Podcast, please consider liking and following us. Thanks for listening.